Welcome to Fraternal Review, the podcast. In this episode, we're going behind the scenes with our guest editor, Brother Mark Polliner, who just finished editing the latest issue of Fraternal Review focused on the connection between Kabbalah and Freemasonry. To learn more about Fraternal Review or to become a subscriber, visit theresearchlodge.com. I'm really excited to speak with Brother Mark Polliner and to have this chance to learn more about Kabbalah and Freemasonry. Brother Mark, welcome. Thank you. This is such a rich topic, and it goes back so far in our history and our ritual. I'd love just to start with the first question. You know, what, what was it about Kabbalah and Freemasonry that inspired you to work on this issue? Well, this goes way back to my teen years. I was attending a Jewish camp that was teaching me some Talmud, and uh, also I was doing community theater work with the local Jewish Y, and they did a theater production of the Dybbuk, and this really got my interest in the uh, mystical and the esoteric. The Dybbuk is a play that uh, centers very heavily on the Talmud and touches onto the Kabbalah, it's a very deep drama. With this Jewish camp, I started to learn about the Tetrachromaton, the four letters that make up God's name, and the Dybbuk centered around the Tetrachromaton and a young rabbinical student who f- supposedly finds out the, the meaning of those four letters. This began my study of religion and philosophy And towards my late teens, I found New Age and Neo-Paganism bookstores, and they were chock full of uh, books on Kabbalah. I learned about the Tree of Life and the Solomon Seals and started studying the Tarot. Uh, These books were also discussing the Tetragrammaton, the four letters that make up God's name, yud heh vuv which commonly is pronounced Jehovah, but this is the sacred name of, of God for the uh, Judeo-Christians. When I started my Masonic journey, I was really interested in the symbolism of the lodge and the story of Solomon's temple in the third degree. The symbols in the first and second degree were intriguing on their own. I started studying them, and it was really interesting. I started learning deeper meanings to some of these symbols that were taught in the lodge. I found out that King Solomon was a sorcerer who fought with demons, including a blood-sucking demon called the Aluka. Uh, it's a ver- Jewish version of a vampire, but it's completely different from what most people think of as vampires. And many of the Solomon seals have the Tetragrammaton on them or reference them. I started reading books on Masonic symbolism and learning more about what the craft is about. And then when I was asked to write an article for the Fraternal Review's first tarot issue, I was amazed by how many early Masons were connected with the Kabbalah and with tarot. 
For instance, the tarot is divided into the major and minor arcana. Arcana means hidden or esoteric. Kabbalah means to be received. Hidden knowledge that is, re that is received to the worthy. And Masonic teachings are given to those that are worthy. So they are actually hidden until somebody is worthy of receiving them. I started reading a lot about the works of Albert Pike. In his book, he writes a lot about the Kabbalah in Masonry. I also found out that uh, a lot of the early Masons were instrumental in forming the tarot as we know it today. Ephias Levy started developing our modern tarot, and one of his students, Arthur Waite, basically formulated what we actually know as the modern tarot deck. Arthur Waite is part of the Waite Rider tarot deck, which is the most commonly sold tarot deck. Then uh, there was also Antoine Cour de Gabillon. Uh, he was a member of the Loge des Nouveaux, or the Lodge of the Nine Sisters, which relates to the Muses. He was very instrumental in moving the, uh, in studying the tarot and combining it with Freemasonry and the Kabbalah. I mean, just one right after the other is just fascinating for me. There's a lot there. You clearly have a history of studying this subject. And if I heard you correctly, it sounds like your history or like the sequence of events through your life as they connected to Kabbalah and Freemasonry, they built upon each other and ultimately led to this first work, if you will, first uh, work of your own research and, and publishing this issue. Is, did I hear that correctly? Yes, you did. It just blew my mind how much Freemasonry and the tarot are connected and how mm -hmm. the tarot is connected to the Kabbalah. So it's a, it's a big triangle. Yeah, and, and, and that in itself, that, that sentence there, that idea, we could unpack that even further if we had, I guess, enough time with you. But uh, let's, uh, let's keep it somewhat high level. You know, you've, you've given us, obviously, some of the, the depths or the, the things that were there beneath the surface once you heard this story and you started to dig in a little further. But at a higher level, why do you think this, this topic in particular is so important? Well, you know, what is it about this topic that you believe is important to, you know, not only study, but, but to also to, you know, continue to research and, and share with other readers? Well, the knowledge of the Kabbalah reveals hidden meanings in the Masonic symbols, meanings that large rituals don't really explore. A lot of these meanings were there in early Masonic ritual texts, but over the centuries they've been changed, edited, reformatted, and some of those meanings have been lost. Learning the Kabbalah, you are looking behind what is commonly known to find other meanings to these symbols. A good source of this is uh, the book, The Changing Face of English Freemasonry, 1640 to 1740 by Peter Cabell and the old charges of the British Freemasons by William Hugin. If anybody wants to learn more about that. Excellent. So 
by studying Kabbalah, by taking an interest in this as a, as a research topic, you are able to rekindle some of the meanings that have been lost. You're, yeah. you're able to access some things that are hidden, that are arcane, if you will, to the craft. And in that sense, it does lead to a deeper understanding of Freemasonry. Yes, it does. And I have learned so much more about masonry studying this than I would have any other way. And so what's been the biggest surprise for you? And maybe this question goes back not just to when you started the research for this particular issue of Fraternal Review, but going all the way back to that, that day in, in, the, in the Jewish camp and, and learning about this story. You know, what's been the biggest surprise in that journey? The biggest surprise was when I was doing my research for the Gematria, the Hebrew alphabet being represented as numbers and, and the numbers as Hebrew letters. It wasn't until the 1500s that different symbols, meaning numbers, actually came about into common usage. So back in biblical times, words were numbers and numbers were words. And what really blew my mind was learning that the beast in Revelations referred to Emperor Nero. I just totally blew my mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I, I did not expect that as an answer either. But yeah, you, you cover Gematria, you, you cover the esoteric symbols that you see in, in Solomon, uh, King Solomon's temple and, the, and the, you know, the second building. And I guess, you know, thinking about maybe other surprises that you've had, if it wasn't this big aha moment or, the, or this real big surprise, what are some other surprises or delights that you found along the way, maybe connections that you've made you didn't realize were there and, you know, share some of those surprises with us. There has been uh, the connection with the symbology in the tarot, with the third degree ritual, with the second degree ritual. It just, it's, it was there right in front of me all this time. But then when I made the connection, it was like, oh my God, the Empress has... Jockin and Boaz right there, right behind her. And it's like, I never knew that. And then I'm doing more research and I'm finding that other people have started to put these connections together too. Really, really fascinating when you get behind the symbology and find out how it evolved. It's just mind-blowing. Do you have an example of one of the places where, so, so you mentioned things that are like just below the surface, the things that are hiding in, in plain sight, if you will. And with Gematria, one of the, I guess, the relationships that you draw out is that in Kabbalah, you see words and phrases represented as numbers and vice versa. Same is true in Freemasonry. So when it comes to like interpreting certain words or looking at the numbers, how the numbers relate to different symbols, any surprises there or, or, or any moments that, uh, that you can think of that were eye-opening in that regard? The entire Hebrew Bible, it's just learning the different words by their numbers, representing them and how they connect with other words. It's intriguing. I mean, like I said, with Gematria, all the Hebrew letters represent numbers. 
and the numbers give deeper meaning to the words. Breshit, for instance, the first word of Genesis, which means in the beginning. You can take the number of uh, Breshit much further than what its typical translation means. It can relate to Adam and Eve. It can relate to Jacob and his ladder. Just very, very deep meanings to, to everything. So the, the, the study of the numbers and, and breaking down the numbers in the Hebrew language to the name of God, that can lead to other meanings, other references found you yes. know, kind of below the surface of the name itself. Exactly, exactly. And in the Jewish religion, the number 18 is very lucky and very sacred. It's two letters. Yud and He means Chai, or life, where we get Lechai to life. And the, and the progression of the number 18 and how it relates to good fortune and luck, you know, 36 is double luck. And that will also relates back to the tetragrammaton. So it's, it's just showing why these are the way they are, what the historical facts were, and why we celebrate them nowadays, why we follow these traditions. Yeah, and there's simply too many relationships between numbers and meanings and symbols there, there are too many to ignore. So, so the idea that, oh, this is, you know, mystic or, or esoteric and so it should be dismissed because it doesn't have maybe any credibility in terms of science or evidence. But yet there are so many places where these symbols, these words, these, these meanings relate to one another that it's quite obvious. It doesn't need to be proved. Exactly. So thinking about that a little bit further, I know that there's sometimes resistance to study the Tarot or Kabbalah within Blue Lodge or, you know, even, even with Scottish Rite to a degree. But how do you see this fitting in? Like, is it, is it important to fit this type of study into your work in Blue Lodge? And if so, how, how do you go about that? Well, best example is what I just said, the Kabbalah and Freemasonry along with the two pillars, Jochen and Boaz, uh, they have deep meanings in the tarot, they have deep meanings in the Kabbalah, they have deep meanings in Freemasonry. And the symbols of the decorations mean things too. I mean, 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 15 to 22, is what talks about those two pillars, how they were made and how they, uh, and the dimensions of them and their decorations, which is, you know, part of the second degree of masonry. But the pomegranates, which sits on top of the capitals, they have a deeper meaning that most people don't realize that before Milton in Paradise Lost, the fruit of the tree of good and evil was actually viewed as a pomegranate. In the Bible, they don't mention what that fruit actually is, just called the fruit. But 
until Milton, it was thought of as a pomegranate, which also goes into Greek and Roman mythology. So it's it, there, there's huge connections all over the place. Right. And so if you're trying to fit this, these connections or, or fit this work and this study into Blue Lodge. I mean, there's it, also, I mean, there's also the point within the circle that mm-hmm. is very esoteric in its own. We're, you know, we're told it means one thing, but behind it, there is such subtlety in learning it. The circle could be Osiris. It could be the sun. Albert Pike talks about this. It is just relating to the two pillars, the borders of your passions relate to Jacqueline Boaz, and it also relates to the Jacob's Ladder going straight up. I mean, I have a great section there in uh, Freemasonry and Kabbalah discussing about the point within the circle and how it relates to Jacob's Ladder. And Jacob's Ladder is another symbol that's used in Masonry, not as much as it used to be, but it, it's still used. Yeah, you cover so many topics in this issue. It's really great. And I encourage all the listeners to go and you know pick up a copy or download a copy of the issue because there's just so much to cover and we wouldn't be doing it any justice to try to get to everything that you mentioned, but the winding staircase, Jacob's ladder, you you have one discussing, you know, the, the geometry uh, that's found within not only the temple, but found within numbers and how those numbers relate to the alphabet. So a, a lot of great research. What, what is one thing, that uh, that someone who hasn't picked up this copy yet or who hasn't maybe uh, studied this topic in, in great length, what's one thing that they should expect or what's one thing you think they'll learn from this issue? Keep your mind open. Let these symbols formulate ideas that you will explore yourself, your own philosophy, your own religion. Let, let these symbols take you much further. I mean, the platonic solids, the tetragram, the cube, the octagon, uh, the dodecahedron, and the icosahedron, they all have meanings, hidden meanings to them. The pentagram, you know, to the early Greeks, had very ritualistic meanings to them. They had hidden depths to them. They are part of the golden ratio, which is part of architecture, which is part of art. The golden ratio relates to the Fibonacci numbers, which relates to the shape of a snail shell or uh, a pineapple. Or it relates to nature entirely. The, the arrangement of petals in a flower all follows the Fibonacci sequence, which is connected to the golden ratio, which is connected to the pentagram, which is part of Masonic ritual. Just try to take these step by step and and just let your mind explore. That's all I can say. Just let your mind explore. That's great advice. And 
I'm going to do another read, <laughs> read through the issue with that advice and that direction. Be open to the symbols. Let your mind be free to explore, explore the relationships between the various topics. I think that's a really good directive, and I'm going to take you up on that as well. What would be the next step in you know, learning more about this topic? Do you, do you see this issue in, in this first body of research that you've put forward as a good next step if a brother was interested in learning more, or is there another place to begin? Oh, yeah. There's, there's plenty of books out there that can take you to the next step. Originally, the study Kabbalah took many, many years. Kabbalah is received to those who are worthy, like Masonic rituals given to those that are worthy. And the study Kabbalah can take a lifetime. During the Middle Ages and through the Enlightenment era, you had to be very knowledgeable and scholarly in both the Bible and the Talmud before anybody would think of teaching you the Kabbalah. Uh, some really good books to start off with learning the Kabbalah is the Sefer Yitzraya, the book of creation by Rabbi Arias Koplin, Kabbalah for the Student by Rav Yehuda Ashlag, the Kabbalah of Life by Yaakov Sachs, and the Essential Zohar by Rav Berg. Those will give you the foundations in traditional Kabbalah. To learn the connections between masonry and the Kabbalah, great ones is the Kabbalah of Masonry by Alphaeus Levy, Contemplating Craft Freemasonry by Kirk McNulty, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, and Freemasonry, The Transmission of Geometry by James Stewart. These are really good books that will give you some foundation in what these symbols are so you can take your own explanation further. So you gave us a whole library of books <laughs> on the topic. Yes, yes. What's the first one for, <sighs> let's say, a, you know, recently raised Master Mason who is interested in learning more about the relationship between Kabbalah and Freemasonry? Probably uh, Sefer Yitzraya or the essential Zohar to get a background of what the Kabbalah is and what it means. Great. And then Kabbalah and Freemasonry by Aphaeus Levy and McNulty's book, Contemplating Craft Freemasonry. Those books are really good places to start off with, learning the connections. That's great. Thank you. Very helpful. And we'll make sure to put a link to those books in the, the blog that we'll also post about this podcast. But any other final thoughts? Thank you again for spending time and, and you know, taking us through the, the history of your learning and, and research and also covering a few of these very important and deep topics. Are there any other thoughts final comments about this topic that you'd like to leave with us? Yes, just never stop learning. Always strive to learn something new every day, whether it's a new insight to Masonic ritual or a Masonic symbol, or whether it's just something in your life. Just keep learning. That's the key to, to keep your mind active, staying alert, and just feeding curiosity that's great that's great and thinking you know more specifically about 
Kabbalah and Freemasonry, anything in that pursuit of knowledge or, you know, now that you're, I, I would say approaching mastery or ex- a certain level of expertise on this subject, what has changed, you know, in, in, in your viewpoint, how has your learning and your knowledge of this subject, how has it changed or maybe it hasn't, maybe it's only reinforced, but how has it changed what you think about Kabbalah and Freemasonry? Yeah, it's definitely reinforced what I already knew about it. It's given me further insight into what Freemasonry is and how Freemasonry helps me and my relationship with Freemasonry. It's given me further insight into the world around me. It's given me that I can look at symbols and find meanings in them that aren't there on the surface. Excellent. If I were to make a leap, it sounded like you almost said that this learning and this knowledge has helped you become a better man, which is why we all came to Freemasonry in the first place. So in a way, learning more about the connection between Kabbalah and Freemasonry helps you develop your craft and become a better person. Yes, exactly. It does. For instance, the point within the circle, learning the meanings to it that aren't taught in the lodge gives greater emphasis on what it means to me and how it works in my life. Makes me think better. Makes me act better. It makes me a better person. Thank you for that. And thanks for this time together. I'm wondering what's the best way for someone to find you, read more from you, and you know, maybe connect with you online. Well, they can email me at markpolliner at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-P-O-L-I-N-E-R at gmail.com. And so far, the only other article I've written on for Masonry has been in the first tarot issue of Fraternal Review. And I really encourage everybody to grab a copy of that and read it for themselves. I do talk in that article quite a bit about what I'm expanding on in this issue. Excellent. Thank you for that. Again, uh, let's make sure to email and reach out if you'd like to learn more from Brother Mark. Brother Mark, again, congratulations on completing this research. This is a a bit of a, a life's work in many ways, but congratulations on completing this issue, all the research leading up to it and sharing your thoughts today. Uh, Truly, truly inspired by what you had to share and just appreciate your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And a great interview, Ian. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Fraternal Review has been published for over six decades, and each issue is dedicated to a specific topic, such as Masonic symbols, lore, and history. If you enjoyed this episode of Fraternal Review's podcast, Please subscribe, support, or visit our website for more information. You can become a digital, print, or digital and print subscriber of the Fraternal Review magazine at theresearchlodge.com.